Imagine someone giving you a gift so valuable, so precious, so unbelievably out of what you could expect. But the only condition was, and if this is a condition, is to, is to give this gift away. We have been given that gift. His name is Jesus Christ. Second Corinthians calls it, you know, thank God for his indescribable gift. We can't find enough words to describe this gift that we've been given. It, it, there's just not enough words to, to, to express the wonderful generosity of our great God for this indescribable gift. Yet it is the very gift that we are, we are to re-gift to people, all, not just during Christmas, but all year round. But Christmas gives us a great opportunity to tell this story, to dive into this story that is unbelievably beautiful. It's a wonderful love story. I love this story. Last week we also talked about how the, the white Christmas gift exchange thing was tied to a, an old story, an old legend about the king of Siam. Remember the story? If, he wanted to, if the king of Siam wanted to ruin his enemy or ruin a rival to his throne, he would give him a precious gift. He would give him a rare white albino elephant. Because the care for that elephant would be so expensive, expensive and so outrageous that it would ruin these people financially. The other part of the story is this. If the king wanted to bless a friend, he would give him the same gift. He would give him a rare white elephant. But he would supply all the money, all the resources, all the land, and all the people that would be needed to care for that elephant. Because he loved his friend. It's amazing to me that it's the same gift, but the heart is different. And it, but it reminds me of this indescribable gift that God has given us. 1 John 4.9 says this, In this the love of God was made manifest, was made real, was made visible among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Christmas is the greatest love story imaginable. It is the best gift exchange that has ever taken place. God's creation has fallen away from it. It is in desperate need of redemption and forgiveness of sins. God sees this and, he, and, he, and his love is just going crazy for his creation and so in order to redeem this world, he regifts himself into man's story. The incarnation of God into mankind is the greatest regifting of himself into our story. And this is what I believe, if we read Luke 2, this is what we're going to find. I want to start off just with... Verse 8. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. Really? 
Can you imagine right now a, a host, and this means an army, a host of angels appeared in our, in our midst right now? And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace among those when he is well pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste. They found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the same that had been told to them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. This is a huge story. It's a handful of scriptures. It's just a handful of scriptures. It seems almost understated. God's great plan for salvation is contained in a few scriptures. The narrative of Jesus' birth seems almost like God was trying to keep it a secret. If I was writing the story, and, and, I'm, and, and I, I profess to be a writer, I'm not saying I am, but I, you know, I try to write, I would write a, a whole, I, my book would be big about the, the birth of Jesus Christ. But God uses a few scriptures to tell us this marvelous story. Because I think he's trying to invite us into the story to look deeper at it. I think the beauty of the story is the incarnation itself. This mighty God, this awesome God, this all-powerful God, this all-knowing God, this God is God every place in the universe. He is fully God every place in the universe. He created this universe, everything that's in this universe. This universe is so vast, so big. We, me, as human beings, can't comprehend it. We can't understand it. Our best scientists have really no clue how large this, this, this space is. God made this, and it's still not big enough to contain who he is. God exists outside of space and time. He is so big, so large. He is unbelievably powerful, and yet he chooses to contain himself in a human body. A baby, no less. See, only love makes that kind of choice. Only love decides to humble itself and place, squeeze every part of Godhood into a baby's body. That's amazing to me. The incarnation is this huge revelation of God's love for us that God would do that. And that's a choice of love. That God, so big, so powerful, so mighty, places himself inside a baby for us, for all mankind, the, the angels sing. That is huge to me. That kind of love 
makes redemption possible. That kind of love makes the forgiveness of sins possible. And as we explore the story, it just invites more questions like, but why a baby? Why a baby? In Isaiah 9, chapter 9, verse 6, it says this, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The word Mighty God there means Divine Hero. Why did he just show up as a mighty warrior, all decked out, ready to do battle for the sins of mankind? Why a baby? I would suggest that he did come as a, as a divine hero, but he chose the humble frame of a baby to do so. You see, because he understood, God knew that he, that he would have to be both Jesus would have to be both God and man in order for salvation to work. If he came just as God and, and he sacrificed him just as God, we would blow it off as, of course you can take that. You're God. We would blow it off. People do it now. If he came and, and sacrificed just as a man, he would be no more than a martyr. His death, powerless to change our eternity for us. He had to be both God and man, born into human flesh in order for salvation to work. The beauty of this is, is that Jesus is teaching us how to be human. Jesus teaches us how to be human and how a human being can relate to God. It's beautiful. This story is beautiful in its subtle nuances. I love this story. Our divine hero came as a child to confront and conquer every challenge and every temptation common to us all. He had to be both God and man for salvation to, to work. He came as a baby for that reason. This story is beautiful because it says that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Seemingly just a small, unimportant Jewish town. Old little town of Bethlehem. A little town. Seemingly not important except for the, the Savior of all mankind was born there and for its name. Bethlehem means house of bread. House of bread. Jesus himself said, I am the bread of life. The bread of life was born in the town that's called house of bread. The deepness of what God is putting inside this, this small frame of scriptures invites us into the story to explore it more. Because he, he reveals more about his character, more about who he is. See, this is a story of love. This is not just a demonstration of love. It is a characterization of God's love, where God is love. That he would place himself in all these subtle nuances throughout this story. This is the story of our redemption. This is Christmas. This is love. And God is motivated by His love for us. Back to the angels. The angels announce Jesus' birth. Do they announce it to the religious leaders? No. 
Do they announce it to the wealthiest of all the wealthy people in the land? No, they don't. Do they announce it to the governmental leaders? No. I love the fact that they choose shepherds. Humble shepherds. Shepherds at this time are not thought of very highly. The only things they have influence over is a group of smelly, dumb sheep. That's the, that's the influence. That's the extent of their influence is over a flock of stupid, smelly sheep. They don't have a voice. People don't ask them for their opinion. They are outside of town for a reason. Some people didn't trust them. But this is the group of people that God uses to announce the story of Jesus being born. I love this. I love this fact for many reasons. I love the fact that these, uh, these men would come and to worship their Messiah. They left the Messiah worshiping, becoming the very first traveling evangelistic crusade. They became the very first evangelist. Because when they heard the news and when they went to see Mary and Joseph and they went to see their Messiah laying in the manger, they got it. They got the picture of what the angels were talking about. And they left believing and telling the good news. They were regifting themselves into the story. I love this. In verse 17 it says, made known. That phrase, made known. In the Greek, it means make sure it's understood. Make sure it's understood. This is the heart of these men. That when they went back and told the story to whoever they met along the way back to their flock, they made sure they understood what they had seen and who they had saw. The story is amazing. Why shepherds then? Why shepherds? Who is Jesus known as also? A good shepherd. I find it fascinating to me that the angels will come. They would announce it to lowly shepherds who had no voice, no influence except over sheep. Suddenly had a voice and great influence. They became shepherds in a different way. So the whole idea of being the good shepherd in Jesus' mind is to lead to do the greatest shepherding that, that mankind has ever seen, and that is to lead people back into the Father's heart. That's what the gospel is. is Jesus providing a way back to the Father. And these guys became shepherds of a whole different nature, a whole different importance. I love this story. So how do we re-gift love then? Because we've become storytellers now. See, we, we get all upset with being, you know, trying to uh, evangelize. And we, get, we all get all worked up about how to do it. And, you know, can I suggest to you, it's just telling your part of the story. Where God has placed you inside his story. We become these great storytellers. My wife thinks I am a storyteller, but that's a different, different one. So how do we re-gift love then? Uh, spend some time, if you can, to listen to someone else's story. 
when we give up people opportunity to just share their heart, to share their burdens, to share their struggles, we are re-gifting love into their story. Because when they get a chance to unload this stuff, then they're in a place where they can receive the good news. So take some time to maybe listen to someone else's story. Spend some time helping. I know some of you are already doing this. Volunteer. Help an elderly neighbor, a single mom. Find someone to serve and ease their weariness. If you can take a burden off someone's plate, you have demonstrated love like Jesus does. Who says, you know, take my yoke. Because my yoke is easy. And then I would spend some time worshiping like those shepherds and then telling the story to others. Yesterday, you'd be amazed how God will provide opportunities for you to tell your story or to share part of the story. I was getting some last-minute items. I still have to get some last-minute items for the party today. And I was standing in line to stop and shop. And there was only one person ahead of me. And the rest of the lines were all busy. And why there was only two people in this line, I didn't didn't understand, but I was grateful because I could get out there quick. And the lady was almost done bagging her stuff, and she was having a conversation with this cashier who was a young man, maybe 20, something like that. And they were talking, he was talking, he was talking about all the horror movies that he likes. And he was just listening one after another. And she was, I thought, being very kind, very gracious, listening to it and trying to engage in some kind of conversation with him. And I, th- I thought it was pretty good. And I don't try to listen to other people's conversations, but this one would this one intrigued me because I really wanted to see what her response would be to this. So I'm listening, but trying to pretend that I'm not listening. You know, you know, like, like they're, uh, oh, let's go at this magazine over here. Oh yeah, oh yeah, nice tree. Yeah, okay, okay. So I'm doing all that kind of stuff, and and finally she she pulls something out of her purse and she hands it to him. She folds it up and she hands it. To him. She goes, see, don't read this now, but but read this later. It's a, it's a pamphlet. I I knew who it was. I who knew who this person was. And so the cashier guy, he goes, he goes, oh, are you a Jehovah's Witness? And she goes, well, yes, matter of fact, I am. He goes, oh, yeah, you guys come to my door time, the door all the time, you know. It's, she goes, well, just read that later. And she, she packs up and she leaves. And I start bagging my stuff. And the guy says, I don't know what it is, but today has been nothing but people handing me religious literature today. I said, I almost said, well, silver and gold, I have none, but no, I didn't say that. I said, so I don't, I don't have any religious pamphlets to give you, but I said, uh, I'd like to give you some advice if you'll take it. He goes, yeah, sure. I said, that pamphlet that lady gave you? He goes, he goes yeah. He goes, I said, tear it up. He goes, what? I go, tear it up. He goes, why? I said, well, the Jehovah Witnesses are a cult. They're material will only lead to confuse any questions you do have about God already. So I would suggest very highly that you don't read it, that you just tear it up or throw it away. Uh, I'm not trying to be mean towards anyone, but it is garbage, and you shouldn't put garbage in your body. And the guy's looking at me like, <laughs> okay, but they're really, they're really nice people. I said, yeah, I said, a lot of them are nice. I, and and that's, that's, that's wonderful. I mean, you know, people should be nice. I said, but because they're nice doesn't mean that their material is true. Okay? Uh, you know, just, just, just please 
I would suggest that you not do that. I said, so I don't have any religious material. I said, but I, I'm going to give you my business card. I, I serve as a pastor here in, in town. And I would love to answer any questions you have about God or any other religion. Be glad that. I said, and he goes, well, why do you think you're going to go? So I went through a, a, a small list of things why I thought they were a cult. And he's looking at me very intently. He goes, well, uh, thank you. And, uh, you know, I, I left. And then that, that was that story. Now, there was no conversion moment. You know, there was no, oh, uh, thank you for showing me the light and, you know, and, you know, tell me about these false religions and hallelujah. No, it wasn't any of that. It, it was just part of the story. I didn't get a chance to tell him the whole story, nor did I think God wanted me to. It was, it was confronting something that was wrong. Now, I would, if there was five people behind me, I probably would, you know, I don't know, just but it got, got my groceries in the last. Who knows? The fact that there was no one in line behind me gave me the freedom to do so. So God sets these moments up is my whole point. Not that I was so wonderful in speaking out or anything, because I've just admitted that if there was a line of people, I probably would have said nothing. I would have just went on my business. But God set it up for that man to receive truth. Someone is going to come along in this, because God has him set up. Someone else is going to come along and present the gospel in a way that he's going to be able to receive. Maybe he will call the church phone and get, get one of us to talk to, and maybe he will come here one day and sit in those pews and hear the gospel truth and find out that, that God really does love him. I don't know. Maybe he'll walk into another church in this community. That would be wonderful. Maybe you'll go into the Methodist church, which is a wonderful church. I mean, there's, it doesn't matter where he goes to hear the truth. We just want him to hear the truth. And so when we give opportunities to tell the story, we should. Let's use those opportunities. But I'm suggesting that we have to fall in love with the story again. You know, sometimes as Christians who have walked with and journeyed with God for a while, we sometimes look at those scriptures and we read them and we read them and they mean something to us, but the wonder is lost. See, when the shepherds went back and told people, it says that people marveled and wondered. That word wonder there means to admire, but to admire with an attitude of questions, and not bad questions, but tell me more kind of questions. I just want to read the rest of this scripture. For unto us a child is born, for to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Let's think about that. Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, our divine hero, our everlasting Father. Do you realize that Jesus wants to father you? enough right there. He's our Prince of Peace. Are the greatness of His government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over His kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. God is passionately committed to His story. And so should you. Be. Father, thank You for today. Thank You for Your love, Your mercy, Your kindness. Your overwhelming love. This is the greatest love story that can ever be written. And we, we thank you for re-gifting yourselves into our story and, and making us a part of it. We pray, Father, now for the freedom to express that love that you have given us. That wherever we go, we will be uh, storytellers. Telling of this great story of your, of your love towards mankind of your redemption, of your salvation, of your, of your forgiveness of sin. Father, help.
help us to do this. And help us to do it with love. This is part of our regifting love back to you. So we ask for this, Lord. We ask that as we leave this place that your mercy will follow us. And that we will be agents, agents of change in this world according to your will and according to your plan and your timing. And we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.